1: Welcome to the There It Is Podcast, the comedy podcast to help you find your inspiration. I'm your host, Jason Farr. Let's do this. Thank you so much for joining us today and fun episode. I got a wild story to tell. You know that common dream that people have of having to give a speech but they're naked or something? It's always just like centered around how anxious they would be about being naked in front of a crowd and I don't know what it's supposed to mean it's just a common dream or nightmare and I had never had that dream until last night I was doing a stand-up show naked and that was kind of like the idea of that show you maybe have heard of that stand-up show there are a few I guess that have gone around in the country where people are wearing underwear. Well, the gimmick of this one was you had to be naked and I signed up for that. So the thing is being naked wasn't what the anxiety was about in the dream that I had no problem with. As a matter of fact, I was doing two shows and I did one and that went well. No problems. (laughs) Didn't care about being naked. Couldn't have cared less. My thing Was that for the second show, I decided to be a little risky and do new jokes that I hadn't really worked. And I wrote them on my hand, but my hand got smudged. (laughs) And so that's what I freaked out about. That I didn't have my jokes. Uh, It wasn't being naked. It was about not being prepared. (laughs) Which I think my fellow Capricorns can understand. (laughs) I finally have that dream about being naked. But the nudity isn't remotely the problem. It was potentially having a bad set. (laughs) It was so scary. I woke up before the dream could resolve. That's how bad it was. Oh my gosh. I was probably not even going to get paid. Anyway, with that fear-themed primer out of the way, let's go into today's episode with our horror-loving guest, Rick Guzman. I met Rick at The Magnet. He's an improviser, and he's a crew member on film and TV shows. And he started a show here in New York City called Spooky Doings. It's an Armando-style show, but the stories are all spooky scary. And Spooky Doings has a show coming up at The Magnet on Halloween. We talk about that show, and Iatsi, who, when we talked, were potentially going to strike this has since been resolved somewhat, but he gives his perspective on the dispute. It's a great chat. Let's get right to it. Here's my chat with Rick Guzman. One thing that always sticks out when we talk is that you say "How's by you?" You ask. Yeah. That's how you ask. How and I'm like, "Is that a regional thing?" But then I don't no. know where you're from. No. <laughs> no. It, it,
0: it's it's just me being uh, a contrarian, being a little bit different in my youth. I, I always had the, the idea of fucking let them know you've been there. Mm-hmm. Stick out in people's heads. And sometimes it's conscious. Sometimes it's unconscious. Like, housed by you is just how I phrase things. <laughs> I always wanted to be the guy that either you'd be at a barbecue or maybe you'd be in therapy. And you'd just be in the middle of a conversation go, let me tell you about this dude I knew named Rick. <laughs> and that just would happen. So, no, born and raised in Queens um, by immigrant parents, so I don't have the typical Archie Bunker day Queens accent kind of thing. A lot of people have said I have a Southern drawl, so maybe that's part of the mystery
1: of uh, learning,
0: en- learning English at first from people for whom English was not their first language.
1: Yeah. I don't detect Southern drawl but if you had told me Ohio or <laughs> Nebraska, I would have been like, okay, I see. You <laughs> know, like I would have bought it.
0: <laughs> and that's the beautiful thing about being uh, the son of immigrant parents. It's like sometimes people don't know what the fuck you are.
1: Right. <laughs> and you're still in Queens, right? Yeah. Cool, it's, cool.
0: Queens uh. works for me because it's close enough to... Brooklyn, Manhattan, if I want to go upstate, if I want to visit people on Long Island, it's centralized
1: Uh and uh
0: it's... It's diverse. Part of it is, you know, it's what I've known my whole life. But another part of it is like, it's the sounds, it's the smells. I've been to other places, like just recently went upstate in the middle of nowhere because it's a pandemic. If you're going to go away, you want to be as sequestered as possible. But that silence and clean air
1: fucks with me a little bit as a city (laughs) rat. I have definitely gotten used to the noise of the city. Because when I go back to South Carolina and then there's no noise, except for like crickets, I'm always like, well, okay, this is a change of pace. <laughs> so how long have you been working in the film industry? You're, you're a crew person, yeah. but I don't know exactly what you do.
0: Mostly set dressing and props. Occasionally greens, which uh, is you know, plant stuff, which I don't really like doing. Sometimes effects stuff. Which is, can be a lot of fun. I've been doing, not counting the nearly two years of not working because of the pandemic. But prior to that, I was, I was, I was brushing on five years. Uh-huh. Give or take, a little bit. I was looking for work, and there was an acquaintance at a barbecue that told me about it. He was in, you know, set building, which I don't have the carpentry skills to do, but I can move furniture. <laughs> I can do <laughs> grunt work. So I took the safety certifications, sent that in to the local IATSE union. And you know, when it's busy, you can start getting work without being a member and you can earn your benefits that way. When it's not busy, like during a pandemic or with an impending possible strike, things are a little bit different, but it's definitely more creatively fulfilling than most other jobs I've had.
1: Yeah. And uh, didn't you do some work on that Amazon series Hunters with Al Pacino?
0: Yes. Oh, that was, that was a little bit of a weird situation. It was only two days, but I, and it was way upstate, but I was not told that the production was going to get me a hotel room for the night. So I didn't have a change of clothes, didn't have a toothbrush. Luckily there was a 24 hour CVS nearby so i was able to you know get some accoutrements and now i keep like a little bag of extras in my trunk just in case but yeah that was fun got to be in a safety meeting with al pacino because they were going to blow up a van (laughs) and just to see him and and he holds a special place in my heart not just as a great actor but he was one of my dad's favorite actors. So, you know, when I was in my late teens and I started, you know, just working at a video store or something, I repaid my dad for all the movies he took me to by taking him to see some movies with his favorite actors. I mean, yeah, it's matinee prices in the 90s, but I paid for it. So we got to see Donnie Brasco together. So like, that's pretty cool to me. Yeah, Special memory in my heart. And then, you know, after two days in the woods, They're like, do you need another hotel room? like, no, I'm just going to drive home
1: after this. (laughs) Did uh, you have any interactions with Pacino?
0: We're not really supposed to, as crew, interact Uh with actors and fan out like (laughs) that. I mean, you know, don't be rude. Don't, you know, can walk by and say good morning or what have you. Especially if, you know, you're setting up somebody's chair, which, you know, I didn't for opportunity. But you know, certainly if someone were to, start the interaction with me, I of course would respond in time, but it's like hold it in because sometimes it's like, yeah, I don't give a fuck about this person. And other times it's like, <laughs> no, just be cool, just be cool.
1: <laughs> right.
0: Most notably, like you know one of my first jobs, you know being on set with Naomi Watts and seeing her, and having an extreme crush upon her. It's like, just just, just, be cool. just, be cool. Hold it in. Hold it in. Now, in that supermarket, when she smiled at me and I smiled back, and then shortly afterwards, her divorce is, was announced. I'm not claiming credit for that, but I can't say that it didn't happen because she saw a sweaty unshaven near duel <laughs> on the crew and thought you know what there's got to be more in for in life for me <laughs> I, I i i can i can add confermer to i even ask stanley what's about
1: that. you know what i'm going to choose to believe you sparked something in her that that has led her to live her true love in life
0: i certainly hope so and then we'll meet again in some supermarket chili aisle as we did before <laughs>
1: What else have you been able to work on? Uh, Anything that you can talk about? Yeah.
0: After, after something airs, you can talk about whatever prior to it airing. Some productions are more hush hush than others. Right. Like all of those Marvel shows that were on Netflix, you're, you're not supposed to post anything. Shouldn't really talk about them. I mean, I could talk in person to friends of mine in the moment on their terms of secrecy but one thing that never sat right with me like if you're just standing around on a crew and people walk by and they're like what are you filming and you know someone higher up the ladder tells you to lie and say you know it's a mayonnaise commercial or some bullshit like that (laughs) that never sat right with me so i would always tell the truth and just look at them and say i signed paperwork i can't say shit yeah because that stops the conversation right yeah and somebody else says a mayonnaise commercial all this right man i'm like no i signed paperwork i ain't telling you nothing
1: yeah that is actually the better way to handle it because if you say it's some mayonnaise commercial and they look over and see like chris pratt or somebody they're gonna be like chris pratt's in a mayonnaise commercial yeah like they're gonna be thrown off they're gonna be talking more and then they'll start taking pictures Mm -hmm. (laughs) yeah but so you you worked on the marvel shows that were on netflix
0: yeah yeah oh cool uh, it was funny i never tend to believe the mouse when they say put out anything regarding their projects i have friends of mine that scour the internet and get alerts for every announcement because two weeks after they said that they didn't have a punisher series planned for netflix i was working on the punisher (laughs) (laughs) that's wild And that was actually a lot of fun in the Mm -hmm. sense that it was an effects job where basically it was season one of The Punisher that's around an elevator exploding in a hotel. And so they've got the smoke getting blown in by a fan one way down the hallway. And I'm on the other end of the hallway with a fan pointing backwards. So it's blowing past me to Mm -hmm. suck the smoke out in between takes Mm -hmm. and we're there for a long time and then finally i get to like leave that fan they're not going to need it anymore they're doing something else so i go to look for the, the lead whoever the person that's in charge i'm just an extra hand and we're in this kitchen area and all the principal actors come in so in walks john barenthal and deborah Ann wool i may not be pronouncing it correctly and they're talking about the take that you just did. And John Bernenthal says, they're going to use that take. I got some real snot going in in that one. And Deborah's laughing. He's like, there's only one problem. And she asked what? It's like, I reached into my pocket and all my gum wrappers were sticking to the fake blood on my hand. And she asked, why are you chewing so much gum? He's like, I want to have a real strong jawline like John McCain. And I just lost <laughs> my shit.
1: <laughs> he needs that jaw exercise thing. Have you seen that on Instagram I have uh, that not. Jaws, it's this weird jaw exercise that looks like uh, is completely bogus. I'm one of those
0: weird people with social media that I block, hide or report every ad.
1: <laughs> That's actually a better thing. If do. there
0: was an option to just say don't show me fucking ads, I would click on it. <laughs> oh, because I, I, I hate commercials in all of their forms. I, I'm, I'm not one of them. If I need something, I'll get it. That, that's all <laughs> I need to know. If, if you're trying to sell me something, I lose interest immediately.
1: <laughs> yeah, that's a much better thing than what I do, which is buy the things. <laughs> I don't buy all of them, but I'll buy a couple. So there's, as we speak, there's this looming strike this IATSE strike is looming and apparently everyone who voted was in favor of striking if need be. Is that where we're at right now? I believe that was
0: as far I as had. I know, because I'm not a card holder yet. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I, I don't have any inside skin. Yet. I had to do a lot of my own research and talk to some friends. And even that has contradicting information. Some of the, okay. Um, what is
1: the crux of this issue?
0: The crux of the issue is that for the last 13 years, streaming services have had special dispensation regarding rates of benefits because they are filed under new media. But it's been 13 years. They're not new media anymore. In the case of like such... Big global corporations that have seen record profits during a pandemic. They're some of the biggest companies in the world. So they should put in to the benefit rates the same as ABC, (laughs) NBC, regular studio networks. So that's one thing. They want better turnaround time so you can have sufficient rest, which would make things safer on a set. Because, you know, like with hunters, if I'm working an hour and a half upstate and we get a, say, 10 to 12 hour turnaround time, I forget what it's supposed to be. Let's say it's it's 10 hours. I get home, but if I'm not getting eight hours of sleep, if I'm still kind of wired, so maybe it takes me a while to fall asleep. Maybe I only get six hours of sleep, then I have to drive the hour and a half or two hours back in traffic, you're not well rested, things could go wrong, you need to work to live, not live to work. Another thing about that is onset stuff will usually start early on a Monday, and then run late all week, all week. And then by the time you get to Friday, your workday could be starting, especially if it's a night shoot, at about four o'clock at night. So you'll have what crews call a fratter day, where you work all night Friday. Maybe you're done. Well, you got to if it's a night shoot, you got to be done when the sun comes up. That's Saturday morning, go home, you sleep, you lose your Saturday, that's one day of your weekend gone. So anything you need to do in your home life has now been cut in half. The people that you most want to spend time with, that's pretty much gone because you've been recuperating. And then you're back to work at the as crack of dawn on a Monday. So weekends are also important. So all of these things, and I'm sure this happens in all walks of life where people working in different departments in different job things don't take into consideration what someone else has to do to make something right because even once you rat like directors actors they get to just get in the van and leave Mm -hmm. Uh, crews have to put away all of their equipment so it could take just an hour to do that before you're done and then you have to go home and then try to get sufficient rest to get it so it's it's basically let's have these corporations pay what everybody else is paying and do it so you're not breaking people to the point where they're not living their lives it's definitely not a nine to five business and i think that's one of the things that appeals certainly to people like me but also it's like no you gotta have your free time to you know be with the people you love to like you and i do get on stage and improvise and make up haha for people (laughs) and you know pursue those other things to engage in any other activity like if there's a concert you want to go to like remember remember concerts when we can do that (laughs) things like that you want to go and 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 enjoy yourself in any other way shape or form it's important to have a work-life balance because when a check shows up i'll admit like i'll complain on a 12 to plus say like sometimes 14 sometimes 16 hour day because yeah you are being compensated with overtime Mm
1: -hmm.
0: but it'll take a lot out of you
1: yeah the need for sleep is pretty crucial to your health very much so well more power to all of you all card carrying member or not you definitely deserve good compensation and good treatment from the industry everyone who's working anywhere deserves good treatment
0: from what I understand, since the union overwhelmingly showed up and voted and voted in favor of a strike, uh, a strike has not happened yet because now these corporations and producers are coming back to the table and go, well, let's keep negotiating then.
1: Yeah, right. Because what essentially is being asked for isn't gonna be as much money as they're gonna lose if mm-hmm. everyone strikes. Because these things absolutely cannot work without without a crew.
0: Right, because it wouldn't just be the, the union in this region, say like in California. It will be a nationwide strike. So nothing right. in America would film. Now that won't affect productions that, you know, film in Canada, make it look like America, sure. But in in the U.S., you are shit out of luck. So places that have grown over the last decade or so, like in Louisiana or Georgia, where now there are a lot more studio productions happening there, they're just not going to happen.
1: Yeah. And that's going to be pretty rough. I mean, those Disney Plus shows, they're doing a lot of work out of Georgia. A lot Mm -hmm. of people are doing a lot of work out of Georgia, but those Disney Plus shows, they don't, or in movies, if they have to shut down they're going to lose hundreds of millions Mm -hmm. potentially
0: and 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 from my understanding and again this is just stuff that i read during the pandemic so if i'm wrong i'll admit it other states have different regulations whereas Mm -hmm. new york was very very strict places like georgia and louisiana were not as strict so more productions ramped up there than in other places the mouse just you know packed up a lot of shit and went to new zealand in some Mm. cases
1: Mm. i didn't realize that Mm -hmm. well again more power to y'all i hope that works out for everyone's good Uh, a lot of people are just seeing the iatze stuff online and don't necessarily know what it's about and i didn't even know a ton i knew it had to do with cruise but i didn't know the details. So thanks for sharing that.
0: No problem. And like I said, I'm no expert. I'm probably incorrect on a lot of things. And there would probably be a lot of old time card holders, or as I like to call them, cigar choppers, or younger card holders, as I like to call them, set vapors, that would say, no, here are the 78 things that you're wrong about. And I accept that.
1: <laughs> Fair enough. Let's talk about something. One thing that I know you're huge into are horror films is yes. that safe to say is your favorite genre
0: <laughs> absolutely no
1: question <laughs> have you been able to work on a lot of those kind of productions Zero. <laughs> oh, that's too bad
0: uh, it, uh one day one day it'll happen because you know you call the union hall you just let them know that, that you're available and then you know they call you with something or if you are friendly with someone who's going to work on something they can call the hall request you then they text you to call the hall and say hey I've been requested that kind of thing but I've worked on zero and I would love to be the kind of guy that's like off camera spraying blood into an actor's face the closest I've come is on the medical show New Amsterdam where I heard a call over the walkie talkie, somebody go into the prop room and get uh, a bottle of fake blood. I'm like, I got it. And I run (laughs) in, get it, run to set. And the lead looks at me and she says, I need you to bloody up this gurney and some of these pads. And she's about to walk away. And I say, hold on a second, light, medium or heavy. (laughs) And she said, Medium light. And I said, thank you. Because left to my own devices, I would have sprayed the fucking ceiling.
1: It would have looked like a horror movie. <laughs> yes, it would. <laughs> Which is
0: not what, you know, your your NBC medical trauma
1: Right. Was. It's not supposed to be a bloodbath. It was just, <laughs> it's just to be realistic. Just, yeah, Just medium. That's fun. Oh, man. I know, you know, partly I know about your love for all things horror because of spooky doings. Yep. You have that improv show and a podcast of the same name and uh, a fun improv show. I've been lucky to be a part of it. And uh, you also do it at Halloween at the Magnet.
0: which is yeah, cool. that...
1: You're going to be able to do that again.
0: It'll be our first show since March of 2020. I'm real excited. First at the, at the opportunity and, and Magnet allowing us and giving that at stage time on Halloween, which is a lot of fun. As someone who started out in improv, in classes at Magnet, it it, it feels like home. And throughout this Corona hellscape, when a lot of other improv places closed their doors and head for the hills, the Magnet community stuck up for each other. So even Mm -hmm. though they had to close their, their school, they kept going online, doing things, and just the people, yourself included, look out for each other. So even when the place was open during all of the protests last summer, just for a place like, hey, come here, use our bathroom, charge your phone, get some water, we're here for you, that it's an actual community. Mm -hmm. of a bunch of funny fucking misfits and i think that's what separates it from other improv locations in new york city so for that to be the place where we get to go back on stage tell some scary stories do some funny scenes off those stories and murder each other on stage (laughs) figuratively of course
1: it's such a fun show to watch and or be a part of and I'm glad that you all are back and I hope people who are in town go check that show out.
0: Well, that 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 means a lot because we're not an improv main event when those were a thing. We weren't a Saturday night primetime show at an improv theater that gets write-ups and, and local papers. We were just, for the most part, a free show in a basement of a sports bar in between numerous other improv theaters. But when performers that I admired watching them and getting to share the stage with them, just say, this is a fun show, that, that's the fucking best compliment uh, that I can take for something that started out as an idea in my head.
1: Yeah, and you've been doing it for six years now?
0: not counting the pandemic. I think it was, yeah, our fifth anniversary show was the penultimate show before everything locked down.
1: Yeah, it is a great example of community because they're different people. You have bring on guests or you have cast members and it's all like familiar faces and everybody really bringing everyone in. I mean, like when I got to do it the first time I did it, Everyone was super welcoming. It wasn't like, well, this is our thing, and you're just a guest." And that's one of the things I love about Magnet too, is because most of the people that you're around, they're going to be welcoming, regardless of their status in the theater too. Someone could be like one of the more popular players on one of the more popular teams, and they're still going to treat you just like you're anybody else and And that's just to be excited that you're there. and that's one of the beautiful things about. Magnet, and I think it also shows in Spooky Doings as well.
0: I got to give credit where credit is due, and I'm forgetting the full quote, but it ends with Great Artist steal." I ripped that <laughs> off from You Are Not Alone, an uplifting show about depression, which is my favorite show at Magnet. Um, yeah, it's one of the best. When I first discovered that show, I was not in a great place. But Aaron Gold was a great person. He's become a good friend. And I wanted to be a part of that show. And it was just, you know, like, come to practices. One day you'll be a part of it. And I was from teching the show to watching it, to one day improvising, to eventually doing numerous essays for that show. It's like, that's the thing. You've got your core people and then you invite other fun people. So I'd go to the magnet on uh, Megawatt Wednesdays. And that's where I first saw you and numerous other people. And and I'd just kind of be scouting in a way like, oh, I could do something with her. I'd can, I can, I'd love to do a scene with him. I'm like, oh, they, these people, let's make some connections. Because the worst thing that could happen when you ask, hey, you want to be on part of a show? The worst thing that's going to happen is say, no, I don't like horror, which has happened. Right, yeah. <laughs> I'll admit yeah. that, but you know, it, Other times it's like, all right, you can make something uh, beautiful. It didn't really start like the idea of having a core cast, but it, it just evolved into that. I don't know if you're familiar with Leah Evans. She used to do just random shows in the Triple Crown basement, and I got a lot of stage time doing that. And then I just got the idea, do your own show and just have anybody in there. And then some of the best friendships of my life have bloomed from that.
1: So there are two things, I guess, that we can, two spokes here that we can talk about with regards to this idea of spooky doings. One, where did your improv love affair begin? When did you start doing improv? And then also, when did your horror film love affair begin? Because that's such a central part to who you are.
0: Horror began earlier. Being a child of the 80s and VHS, Mm. increasing in popularity. I was finding horror during the golden age of the slasher. (laughs) So big franchises like Friday the 13th, Nightmare on Elm Street, Halloween, Hellraiser, you can go on and on and on. We're just cranking out sequels constantly. I'm watching them. I'm enjoying them. I'm going through puberty. I'm seeing attractive, naked people, usually (laughs) wet. (laughs) yeah and my parents were like okay you can watch these scary things we just don't want to watch them with you that's (laughs) fine but also going to catholic school there was they shunned it they were not for it they were very much against it so if the authority is against this thing that means it must be cool (laughs) so that helped with it and there's great stories in there there's bullshit like in every other genre or art form there are clunkers there are things that are not good but the classics hold out so that love has been nearly life long and there's a lot of comedy and horror as well yeah so you know from dating back to Abbott and Costello meet Frankenstein right yeah. to <laughs> modern classics like Shaun of the Dead Tucker and right. Dale Evil.
1: And there's also a humor that ended up in the Friday the 13th movies, oh, and yeah. some of it wasn't comedy, but it was like a, a moment that was so wild that it it made you laugh, even oh, yeah. though, like that scene in, in Jason Takes Manhattan when, he, when the boxer is uh, just punching take, him, punching him. He goes, all right, Yeah, and then he uppercuts his head off.
0: Motherfucker didn't stand a chance. Or even in Freddy's Dead, the not quite final nightmare, Robert Mm -hmm. England's admission is that Freddy becomes a full Warner Brothers cartoon character in that one.
1: Oh, yeah. That's the funniest of the straight-up horror films. Some of
0: it intentional, some of it not.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Fair, fair. I mean, so great. Gosh, he's more impactful than I think he gets credit for.
0: Absolutely. No question. Now, fast forward a bit to improv. I'd gone, I I always tried to be funny. I was definitely that, you know, funny kid growing up, trying to entertain my parents and make them laugh. Not so much a class clown, but with my friends just being a wise ass. So even, you know, at work, a not great attempt in my 20s at stand-up comedy Mm because I didn't know that you have to figure out who you are on stage. But in my 20s, I didn't know who I was in life. So that clearly wasn't going to work. Mm -hmm. And I'd gone to a couple of improv shows here and there, because, you know, it, it was cheap, fun entertainment. And my girlfriend's best friend moved back to New York and started taking sketch writing classes. And there was also a deal for her to take improv classes so i go to one of her graduation shows and i'm entertained by it and then she puts a team together does another show and at the end there's a jam write your name in the bucket if we call your name out you can come up on stage and and perform with us and i'd seen it done a couple times and thought in my own head like well if i was up there i'd say this and it'd be hilarious (laughs) so the bucket comes by me there's only one other name in there and i thought well fuck it and throw it in i get called up with somebody else and i'm like okay let's here we are and i'm doing object work without knowing it's called object work just trying to be funny and veteran performers are like helping along and i'm like i like that it it felt like I was able to turn my mind off and be in the moment, which I normally can't do sometimes. So it was therapy before I went to therapy and I liked it and I explored it more. And I talked to, to uh, this lady and it's like, all right, where should I go? And Magnet's price was the best. So then it was on and popping, go through the levels there, start a duo with uh, a lady in my level four, I want to say I can't remember what level four class it was, but we started to do, started doing our own shows and she wanted to go take a break from improv and pursue other things. And I said, well, okay, I wish you all the best, but selfishly. I'm like, well, I put all my eggs in this improv basket. Now what? That's when I started doing those Leah Evans shows. and like, all right, what can I do? And the first thing that came to mind was comic books, which I also love, but I knew there was already a, a comic book themed show in the vicinity. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure there are other horror themed improv shows, but I hadn't heard of one. So I'm like, that's what I'm going to do. <laughs> and also, like, how can we separate this? Because there must be others. How can we separate this from other horror themed improv shows? Mm-hmm. Rather than doing sweep edits, we're going to kill each other to edit. <laughs> And that was something that I came up with. And then that first show that we did in Triple Crown, when I saw they had a red light for the stage, I'm like, that's perfect. <laughs> that, that gives the idea of blood without having to clean up, done deal. And it's one of the things that can separate us from anything else. And I know sometimes maybe that'll throw some improvisers off, because some shows, we're just performing for each other. You're performing for other improviser friends, and they're like, "Okay, what the hell is this?" But you know, you get enough, people, <laughs> even if they're just friends, that keep coming back for more, and they applaud. Like, okay, here's the thing, and you don't may not have to explain. Like, yeah, when you see the red light, and we kill each other, we're gonna start a new scene. that character might come back.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so fun that red light was a, a serendipitous because that is perfect. What's your favorite horror movie? Well, I always try to think because I've watched a lot,
0: but it comes down to what's the most entertaining and what's the most important. And luckily, we live in a time where the answer is the same for both of those questions, and that's Get Out.
1: Get Out is so good. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I always have to give a little time to see how something sinks in for me to say if it's a favorite but that is one of the best I mean I know it's a horror movie but a part of me wasn't categorizing it my brain is one because I was like oh well it's peel you know like it's Mm -hmm. and it's got humor to it and it's a thriller and this you know it's it gets in your head but yes that is one of the all-time great horror movies
0: and, and, and Jordan Peele says, no, it's a documentary, but I actually did a, a podcast episode on the works of Jordan Peele. And not to rehash all of that, because if any of your listeners want to listen to that episode, it's still available. But watching Key and Peele and seeing their horror themed sketches, I'm like, one or both of these motherfuckers do love horror a lot. And then once that show ended, and it's like, Jordan Peel's going to direct a horror movie. I'm like, that's the one. He's the motherfucker in question. So, I think I'm one of those people, I don't want to see previews of something that I know I'm going to see. I'm like, right. I need a title and I need a release date, and that's it. Right. So, I saw it opening weekend. And then right after that, I contacted uh, my co host, Chelsea, and one of our cast members, Valette Graham, and I'm like, no, we're going to see this. And the following week, it's six days later, I'm seeing it again. We're in the front row of the sold out theater. But I'm like, yeah, we got to watch this. And it was cool knowing what was happening, that now I could watch people in the audience and how they're reacting.
1: Yeah. Because
0: it's slow burn throughout. Everything's escalating. Things pop off. Comedy to relax you, some exposition. Mm -hmm. More comedy to relax you, big finish. Right. And that is the great roller coaster of that film. So it's entertaining as hell. On the other hand, you have the great important social commentary in the right. movie, George Romero, where George would always say, The zombies aren't important. <laughs> this part of the zombie movie is whatever commentary he was making mm-hmm. on society, being civil rights, which was accidental, or consumerism, or military. Mm-hmm post-terrorism new normal that was the more important thing and the 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 zombies were the delicious coating that's what jordan peele was doing it's like this is what it's like
1: oh.
0: he's been in that position at a party and uh-huh. you can relate and if you can't maybe you should pay a little bit more attention
1: right, <laughs> to right. the
0: way you treat others you know don't be so fucking Weird.
1: <laughs> <laughs> right. Oh man. Yeah, that movie is so great. And I I was also thinking about us, which is also great. Th- that's a straight
0: um, up horror movie. Another one that right. I loved. Mm-hmm. Uh, again, it's like he's making a follow-up. Boom. Mm-hmm. What's the date? I don't want to know shit. <laughs> <laughs>
1: hey, yeah.
0: And watched it numerous times in theaters and loved it because it is terrifying. Yeah. and there's a lot of easter eggs to it his movies make you notice things upon repeat viewing
1: mm-hmm.
0: a lot which i appreciate and the best thing is uh, to me when you get to the end and spoilers for anyone that hasn't watched that's what the fuck's wrong with it. you find out at the end of it you were rooting for the villain the entire time
1: yeah that movie was wild and and so good i mean one of the things that's so annoying about so many horror movies and it's the trope that everyone is familiar with is the person trying to get away from danger and they do the dumbest thing possible to get away everyone knows about this even from just from screen you know but i i don't have moments like that watching either of those movies where i'm saying why are you doing that you know like there's None of that's going on because you get the motivations and they set things up well. Mm -hmm. And it's just expert stuff.
0: You can tell in a lot in some modern horror that the creative forces behind it are horror fans and they'll deliberately do the opposite of the trope. (laughs) in some ways like even in insidious where it's like there's ghosts in this house well we're fucking moving (laughs) and they do and it's like it's not the house that's haunted it's your son so when those deliberate things occur you know that all bets are off rules are being broken and Mm -hmm. the unexpected can happen right and you know as someone who watches a lot of horror movies I watch them primarily for entertainment, meaning Uh they don't scare me as much anymore. So when one can, that's golden.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I'm the same way. I mean, I haven't watched nearly as many as you have, but I am a big fan of horror movies. And so I'm very used to the vibe and I don't get scared watching them, but I do really love when they get creepy when it when mm. it's real creepy I'm like yeah <laughs> I'm like clapping about how great it is and giggling and it's hard to freak me out when I'm <laughs> watching a horror movie I mean it's just hard
0: well that's the other cool thing about horror and this is kind of for anyone that horror is not their bag it is a safe way to explore the things that you're afraid of you know especially being at home for so long as we all have. Yeah, we're not in a theater. Uh, You can watch shit with the lights on and that'll help you. But compared to some of the real fears that this dumpster fire of existence has put us all through, that we are all collectively traumatized and trying to support each other, even while we're sinking, Mm Mm-hmm. I'll I'll take uh I'll take fucking jigsaw over the last several years. I mean granted, I'd be the first to admit 2020 wasn't my worst year. But if 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 you got a choice between hiding out in a mall with zombies outside or the shit that went down on January 6th, which are you going to choose? I know. I'm choosing Dawn of the Dead because there was a fucking pie fight. <laughs> and that's what's important to me. <laughs> and, and, and you can also see bits of yourself It can help you work through some of the shit that you're experiencing. And, you know, there's also the the, the snuggle effect if you're watching something mm-hmm. with somebody hey. that hey. you love and they get a little <laughs> bit scary. Oh, you, know, you call up me over here which which sometimes can backfire if i can tell a very quick story about yeah. seeing snakes on a plane in the theater uh my beautiful <laughs> lady who does not like snakes uh bit me during the movie and oh wow through the leather jacket i'm like why what why why, why?
1: why? <laughs> did she think it was a snake Would you no, put your I had my mom,
0: just in her fear her reflex was the bite and 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 i get it if you're afraid of snakes that makes perfect sense what i do not accept is when it was clearly the cgi snake the cgi snake is not a venomous snake you have nothing to worry about even though that that one actor had the the snake the rubber snake on his dick there was the cgi snake on the lady's nipple and that, that that's fine you can deal with that when they were using the practical snakes absolutely be concerned
1: (laughs) my mom can't see a snake in a movie and feel comfortable afterwards it it just she immediately starts thinking all right there's snakes trying to break in the house
0: my mom too she had a snake thrown in her face by a school chum uh, apparently, I heard this story. So, when I was a teenager and I had a, a, a bath towel with a snake embroidered on it, she disposed of it immediately. Wow. And uh, I'm like, really? Even that? Like, nope, nope, she, she was done wow. that. Wow. Her phobia is that, that strong. And, and I think, uh, again, another great thing of horror is you can face your fears because everybody thinks about fight or flight, but there's also face, there's freeze. And I've added my own. Fuck it,
1: man. That's a good one to add. Yeah. What is the scariest movie to you? Because this study just came out saying that host is the new scariest movie. It's a Zoom horror movie. Yes. I, I, I I loved Host. Last year it was sinister, yes, but this year they're saying it's Host.
0: They I, they hooked people up to the doodads and measured their heart rates and showed them. Mm. And sinister is big on jump scares and sound. If you're in a theater and it's unexpected, particularly the lawnmower scene, mm. yeah, that'll get a reaction out of you. But for someone like me, it's like that's not really all that.
1: Yeah, jump scary. scares don't really get me. That that's not what gets me. Vibe is what gets me.
0: Yeah, host, I loved it because we're in a pandemic. It's mm. it's a short movie i think it's just under an hour but it does a lot with that new technology when that came out so i could see that being the case now there's the real horror and there's the the fictional horror which do you want
1: Mm. when you say real horror are you talking about like get out and us
0: no i'm talking about a real situation in life That scares me. Oh. That, to me, is one of the scariest
1: movies of all time. I kind of want to hear both now. (laughs) Okay, but which do you want first? That one, the uh, real one.
0: For me, one of the scariest true movies is the documentary Paradise Lost to Childhood Murders of Mm -hmm. Robin Hood Hills. If you've ever heard of the West Memphis Three, there were three teenagers in West Memphis, Arkansas, who were accused, tried, convicted and spent 18 years in Arizona prison for killing three 10-year-old boys. The only evidence used to convict them was they had long hair, wore black clothes, read Stephen King books, and listened to heavy metal music. So when that occurred in 1995, then I saw the documentary shortly thereafter, I looked at myself and went... If my parents immigrated to West Memphis, Arkansas, I would be friends with these kids and I'd be incarcerated right next to them. There there are three documentaries, four documentaries total about their stories, numerous books. Luckily, they are all released now and still working on their uh, exoneration. So there is a happy ending, but something like that. And that's just a story about three white kids wrongly Convicted, but we're lucky enough to have a documentary made about them uh-huh. and then have people care enough to help them. Because nearly every day on the news, we're hearing stories about wrongly convicted person finally released after X number of decades. It happens, right. it's real. Uh-huh. That's fucking threatening to me. Uh-huh.
1: Uh-huh.
0: Now, the fictional part clowns, wow. <laughs> things with clowns. <laughs> now, naturally, everybody thinks about it, it. The Right, very popular Stephen King story, and both film versions of that are very frightening, no question. But there's another movie, which lives up to its name, which I feel is scarier. It's called Terrifier. It's a Dread Pictures release in which Art the Clown, played by David Howard Thornton, is silent and kills every motherfucker on Halloween. So when I found out that that Mr. Thornton was the roommate of an improv acquaintance, that was one of the things that made me decide to start a podcast, because he's just a good Alabama boy who's (laughs) making a living trying to act up in New York, and we share a lot of the same political views, And, and, and he's a delightful guy and wonderful but I watched the movie before I knew this and scared the shit out of myself (laughs) with it. (laughs) (laughs)
1: Because
0: Pennywise ain't got shit on art.
1: Okay. It's another movie. I get all of my horror movie advice from you. And that's another one I'm going to have to check out.
0: I don't know where it's streaming presently, but yeah, to clue your listeners. Recently, you're like, hey, got some suggestions. I need to watch more stuff. I'm like, what streaming you got? And you told (laughs) me. And I'm like, I'll get back to you. And then I just hit you with a list. <laughs> yeah. So you're probably good for the month.
1: I am, yeah. And I always miss every every Halloween season. I'm like really in the mood to watching movies. And I watch a bunch, but I won't get everything on the list. So I'll even have some for next year. But I also should just watch throughout the year because yeah. I like horror movies.
0: Okay. Can, can, can I vent a little bit, little pet peeve that, that's come up for me? lately what and i love it i i love that people love the spooky thing but for me spooky is not a season (laughs) it's (laughs) it's a way of fucking life and just for Mm -hmm. me personally there are three holidays in on the rick calendar we are currently in halloween which goes Mm -hmm. to november 1st as we know after that for me that starts mardi gras mardi gras begins then we still watch horror movies, and we, uh, and even during uh, the Halloween season, we still listen to New Orleans jazz. So there's very little change here and there. The only real difference is maybe a couple more beats, maybe a couple more beats. Ash Wednesday, we start Juneteenth season, and then June 20th, that's uh, the beginning of Rick Halloween season. <laughs> okay, <laughs> that, That's all you need. Everything else is just an excuse to sell you a couch.
1: get you a new grill with this memorial day sale what does that gotta do with (laughs) memorial day yeah i feel you on that and there's something i really love the fall and for some reason there are a lot of horror movies well halloween is my favorite and Mm -hmm. it's set at halloween so it it creates a vibe and feeling for me that i love and it makes it harder to watch that movie when I'm in the vibe of like the summer, but you know, there are plenty <laughs> yeah. of horror movies that you could just watch any time of the year, or I could just watch any time of the year without that sense of that fall vibe to them.
0: I get it. Some, some people that, you know, our souls are just a little different. My girlfriend likes to watch jaws on uh, 4th of July. I'm the type of motherfucker, like it's August. And I just feel like watching black Christmas. So I'm gonna. <laughs>
1: yeah yeah i get that i
0: got the um, dvd right here nobody's <laughs> gonna stop me
1: and like us and get out are movies that i could watch any time of year and they're horror movies that i will watch any time of year i guess psycho is one a lot of the hitchcock movies i could watch any time mm. of year but if it's that if it's got a, a spooky halloweeny vibe i get it's like i i love to watch it this time of year
0: i get um, that but there's also that main divide I mean, and there are some weirdos that like to do this. I don't understand it, but you know, hey, this is America; it's a free country. You can do what you want to do. To not want to watch Christmas films outside of December makes more sense.
1: Yeah, so, that's I'm very much like that, or like I can't listen to Christmas music, and you know, I can't listen I'm to not,
0: Christmas music anyway. I was raised yeah. Catholic. The bells are like a chainsaw through my head.
1: Mm, mm, that
0: mm. that to me, is the worst part of the season. I've, I've given money to the Salvation Army prior to knowing all of their problematic issues and said, you can have this dollar if you don't ring that bell until I'm out of earshot. I'm paying you for silence. <laughs> and the motherfuckers start ringing after they dump it in the bucket. I'm like, you son of a bitch. <laughs> so that's another reason to dislike the Salvation Army and be <laughs> charitable outside of the month of December.
1: Yes. Well, we've reached the end of the episode. It's time to create something together. Cool. I am kind of liking the idea of, like, if you were to make a horror movie or show, what would it be?
0: I'm not going to mention the one that I actually told a screenwriter friend of mine in (laughs) case he makes it. Because I don't know anything about writing scripts Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. but i was talking to him about it after we recorded an episode together and i'm like well you could do that and he's like you know what maybe i will but i was at again like i said doing getaways during the pandemic up in the at airbnbs in the middle of nowhere we went to driving in in cocksackie new york for our anniversary recently and we watched sean of the dead And a movie called Shocking Dark, which I'm certain you've never heard of.
1: It's an Italian
0: film in England that was released in Italy as Terminator 2. It's basically a Terminator-Aliens mashup that is fucking stupid. But the moon was nearly full. (laughs) And we parked right up by the screen. And we got our little chairs out with our little drink holders. And because of the moon... And, and the woods behind, adjacent to the screen, I thought, it'd be just really fucking wild if a shit ton of werewolves ran out of the woods and just started <laughs> tearing people to shreds at the drive-in. So how about we create something called Werewolves at the Drive-In?
1: Okay. Uh, werewolves at the Drive-In. That's a good start. So I think... There's so many different moments that can happen here because you have the, the like young teen couple who's really just there to make out. Mm-hmm. Uh, of course, that's, that's a trope that has to be, they have to be the first ones to go, <laughs> but you can, you'd have waves. I guess you could have waves of people finding out their werewolves here.
0: See, I, I I would look at it as like, since like a bunch of them are running out of the woods at yeah. once, not really a wave. So like, the, the couple that's making out in the car, they wouldn't get taken out first. It's like the older married couple that are horror fans, even though my lady and I aren't married, we'd get taken out first because we're right up by the screen like, oh shit. And boom, Oh, rift.
1: I see. That's the side they're coming from. Okay. Yeah.
0: Rift to shreds. And then like the teen couple at the drive-in, they're second. And the, the the staff of the drive-in in the projectionist booth and at the concession stand, they're safest. So they could lock up some people that are watching in their car. They lock up everything and they're trying to be <laughs> quiet. However, there's a Jeep... At the drive-in, or a Uh-oh. Humvee rather. Let's go with a Humvee. Okay, but that's okay. that's a little sturdier. And in there, there was a werewolf hunter. He knew mm. that this would happen at the drive-in, and he was ready. And he's ready to like kill the the head lichen, if you will.
1: <laughs> okay, and this isn't necessary. But what if there's also someone who's like a competitor, some competition, <laughs> a a rival werewolf hunter is a, there
0: a, a competitive there could be we could get into some subplots of of, <laughs> of competitive werewolf hunting is it too much if we make it a one of those travel channel paranormal shows
1: yes no that's perfect like like one's on one <laughs> network and the other's <laughs> on the other network and i'm very I'm very with cross- One's legit and the other's real fake.
0: I feel like one of, one of, one of the werewolf hunters should be Australian.
1: <laughs> I'm fine with that. Okay, cool. <laughs> and so the werewolf hunter sees what's going on, springs to action. The rival werewolf hunter tries to squeeze in so they can get some glory. They go back and forth throughout. At some point, the rival has to die. So our hero can be the hero. And how does it end? Should it be that the werewolf hunter wins? Or should it be that the werewolves get really engrossed in the movie and then just relax and stop killing people and watch the movie?
0: <laughs> Again, bring, bringing it back to, to, to earlier uh, and, and coming up in the 80s, you've got to save room for the sequel. So yeah. You know, the werewolf hunter, you know, kills the alpha of mm-hmm. the pack and, and manages to, to have a couple of survivors. And it's like, okay, this was a night at the drive-in you'll never forget. But as the camera pans uh, back towards the screen, what you don't realize is that there's a cub that you see the, 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 the light in their eyes still at the tree line that just saw their, their, their father. So revenge is coming and then credits.
1: Nice. There it is. Rick, (laughs) thanks so much for being on the podcast.
0: Thank you for having me, Jay. It was a pleasure.
1: It was a real pleasure having him on as well. Spooky Doing's first show since pre-COVID is this Halloween at 6 p.m. at the Magnet Theater. So if you're in New York, come on out. You can get tickets at magnettheater.com. You can listen to the Spooky Doing's podcast on Podbean, Apple Podcasts, google and spotify follow them on instagram at spooky underscore doings and search for spooky doings improv on facebook follow rick on twitter at rick Guzman 718 follow us on twitter facebook and instagram at there it is pod and subscribe to our youtube channel at there it is also subscribe to our comedy lifestyle newsletter and support us if you can go to thereitispod.com for newsletter and support info links and bio we have a fun halloween episode next week and a new bracket until next time be good to each other